And welcome back to part two of the podcast this week here on Come and See Inspirations. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted that you're tuning in to us here on Come and See Inspirations. John is manning the controls away as maestro, so keeping things ticking over. And as we said in part one of the podcast, we are delighted to welcome this week our special guest, Bishop Brendan Leahy. Welcome aboard. Thanks very much, Shane. Delighted to have you with us. Now we have uh, we've we've dragged poor Al Bishop Brendan out to the recording studio here in John's house for a very special reason because Bishop Brendan, of course, was one of the um, Episcopal Irish delegates to the Synod in Rome during the month of October. So we said we'd well, you know, when he's our own local man, we're going to have to ask him a couple of questions. So I suppose Bishop Brendan, looking back over the whole experience in Rome through the month of September. What was your biggest takeaway from the whole thing? Oh, well, the biggest takeaway, number one, was the fact that it was a great grace. The experience itself was just amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. 400 people from all over the world with the Pope present and these fantastic uh, surroundings of of the Paul VI Hall in the Vatican, which is a fantastic building, a wonderful place. But the takeaway that comes, I suppose, was how we lived those four weeks, which was with what are called conversations in the spirit. We spent the whole four weeks doing that. Maybe I can talk about that again, but maybe that's the biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. Very good. And in terms of like there was bishops and delegates from all over the world, I suppose, like what struck you about kind of, you know, the different kind of issues and priorities different people brought into those kind of conversations? Well, actually, what struck me maybe more was the fact that, you know, the Catholic Church is an amazing reality. Over a billion people were all over the world, every single continent, country. And yet we kind of move in a certain unison. Yes, of course, the issues are different in some ways. But for instance, take women in the church. That issue was felt all over the world. That wasn't just a European issue. It wasn't just an Irish issue. It was everywhere all over the world felt that issue. Now, maybe they felt it with different angles, perspectives, uh, but it was an issue. And so all over the world, you have the one church journeying through common issues, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought that what struck me, actually. Very good. And in terms, yeah, you mentioned, you've mentioned it twice already, that co- whole concept. And now John is really interested to find out about what, you know, what is this whole conversations of the spirit? Like, what did it mean? What was your experience of it kind of? And, you know, how do you think we could learn from it? Yeah, well, I mean, just to explain how it worked. In the hall, there were 35 groups of us and we were all sitting around in tables. Now, this was something new compared to previous synods. And there you were, 11 people, bishops, cardinals, lay people, lay men, lay women, priests, deacons, religious. We were sitting around the table and we had a facilitator. And the facilitator's job was simply to keep us on tune and uh, on track with the specific <coughs> question or topic we had to face. So in our case, let's say we were dealing with a topic, you have 11 people. Of course, first of all, you call on the Holy Spirit to guide you. But then each person is given four minutes to say what they think about that particular topic, think or feel. Uninterrupted. You can't be interrupted. Now, there's a mobile phone to make sure that rings after four minutes. You can't go on beyond four minutes. Mm -hmm. Everybody has four minutes. And we all listen very intentively to that person. And then silence. Another moment of prayer. And there's a second round. And in the second round, everybody again gets four minutes to speak. But this time you don't speak about your <coughs> convictions. You, uh, you, you feed back in how I felt, 
when so-and-so spoke or what struck me from his or her viewpoint. Yes, I liked that. I was attracted to that. I found myself resisting that point a bit. Uninterrupted, you had that for four minutes. You spoke about that. The third round again, prayer, silence. What is it our group wants to say to the assembly? What do we feel the Holy Spirit wants us to say? Where are we agreeing? Where are we disagreeing? And uh, that we did. Then we had a session of feedback that everybody heard us. But it was always done with an attentiveness to try and grasp what, you know, the Bible talks about, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. When we'd listened to everybody in the hall and their feedback, we came back together as a group and we had our topic, our specific topic. Others had other topics. We had our specific topic. We then would sit around together again, four minutes per person, silence. What do we want to write up as a final two page summary report of our experience and 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 uh, conclusions? Mm. And that's how it worked. And I really people felt that way of doing things. Yeah, it brings you beyond just a business meeting. It's not just a business meeting. Mm. It's not just that you have an agenda to work through, but you're trying to work out on a topic. For instance, one of my topics was ecumenism. Another was women in the church. What is it God wants to tell us? Listening to each other, talking to each other. And so I think that's the methodology. We spent four whole weeks doing that. Now you might say, well, gosh, that was that was something. But that's what we actually did. It was like learning. It was like being at a school, learning a technique, learning a way. Now you could change it. There might be other ways of doing it. Mm. But I think the message was clear that the way we come at things in the church maybe has to move into a new way. Mm. Mm. Bishop, how important was the was the retreat the few, for the few days before Yes, the retreat was really very important. And, you know, again, it might seem obvious that there should be a retreat at the beginning of a synod. But in fact, it never took place before. No synod had a retreat Mm. to start. So it was considered by those who had been at a synod before as something completely new. Three days. Now, it did a few things. One, we got to know each other. Now, Mm. that was a little bit overwhelming because you have three or four hundred people and you're meeting the great and the good from Robert Barron to Mm. Archbishop Fisher to, and, you know, you're having breakfast, lunch, tea, coffee breaks. We were all together in the auditorium, of course, for the in the chapel for our prayers, in the refectory for our meals. So you were breaking down the barriers. You're just getting to know each other before you got into business. And that was very, very important. Then also, you know, we, we, we already started these conversations in the spirit during the retreat. But we had two very fine preachers. One is Father Timothy Radcliffe, who's kind of maybe well known to some people. He was the Dominican Master General, very much known as a retreat giver in our world. But also an Italian nun, maybe less known here, but very well known in Italy, an abbess, Benedictine abbess, and Mother Maria Angelini. They both gave inputs every day and they were very, very deep, fine inputs you know, with loads of practical wisdom. And I suppose the main message was coming across all the time from both of them. Be open to the Holy Spirit. You know, Pope Francis keeps saying synod is um, really an event, a process that has the Holy Spirit as the protagonist. And both of these really got us to move into that, you know. Uh, That was something said again and again. So the Holy Spirit was really the centre of the, uh, uh, really of what happened over the last four weeks. Uh, you know, f- for those four weeks you were there, you, you were constantly reminded that this isn't about me; it's about what does the Holy Spirit want. Would that be correct? 
Correct, very much so. And as a result, there was a peaceful atmosphere throughout the Synod. Mm. We all had our four minutes, so of course none of us could grandstand. We had four minutes. And yes, of course, different viewpoints were expressed in those four minutes. But that was it. You had your four minutes, you expressed your viewpoint, and we moved on then to another viewpoint. And after every four speakers in the main conversations, when we were talking together as a whole hall, after every four speakers, you had four minutes of silence. And that was something very moving. Yeah. Uh, you, number one, had time to just take in what people had said. I used to also say maybe a little decade at the rosary because it's four minutes is a good amount of time when you get into mm-hmm. it. And uh, But that was right throughout the whole day. Every four speakers was followed by four minutes of silence. And so there was this constant recall to the prayerful atmosphere right throughout the whole synod. And I'm sure within those uh, conversations that you're having with the various members within the various tables, there were people from various parts of the world with various experiences. We certainly tapped into a few of the briefings. And what might be seemingly important to somebody from the Western world, in Asia, that was completely different. They had their own. So therefore, it was a good chance maybe for members who were there to experience how other people would live in their face in various parts of the world. Would that be right? Correct. And like it was uh, uh, something very enriching to hear people from other experiences. For instance, one of the images that remains with me was from the Asian delegates. They explained how they live synodality by using an image which seemingly is very much in their culture. When you go into somebody's house in Asia, you take off your shoes as a sign of respect that you're entering into another person's life and their house. And they said that's the image they use that in a synod and in in general, in the way of synodality, which means journeying together, as we know, you're kind of expected to kind of spiritually, as it were, recognize that you're entering into a sacred space in somebody else's life. So symbolically, you take off your shoes in that sense. And that was an image they used that I said that guides us in the way we do synodality in Asia. That's a that's a lovely image in terms of um that I connecting very much with Exodus to your stand on holy ground, take off your shoes, uh, and as you said, also a very gentle image in terms of invitation into into someone's house. I suppose, um, I suppose the other question that kind of comes to mind, I suppose, Bishop Brendan, is first of all, just to confirm, are the group of you that were there this October? Is it the same? Do you know if it's the same group next October? I think the hope is that it'll probably be mostly the same. Obviously, it's up to our own bishops conference. Yeah. But the hope would be that it's having done this experience, it'll be a continuation next year. Yeah, because I was going to think after learning the ropes, you know, you don't want to have someone next year trying to pick up everything else and other people. Okay, so that's that's fair enough. And of course, as we've discussed, we discussed it on the program two weeks ago. Of course, with 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 Julianne, there is phase two. We're only at the halfway at the halfway well, that's point. Yeah, that's very important point Mm. this was only the first stage of Mm. a two-stage process so next year will be an important phase and I should say when I talked when we were in groups really we had five topics to deal with so we after more or less you stayed with the same group for about three days and then you moved to another group and another Mm. topic Mm. then another group and another topic every three days more or less because there was there was a lot of ground to cover the instrument in the world had quite a lot of complicated a lot of ground ground. yes a lot of ground and maybe too much ground if we're honest we all felt that a bit it was a bit overwhelming there was so much to be gone through 
Now, we all had our own specific topics, so we weren't all dealing with everything. Yeah, right. OK, so there was there was areas within the listing of the questions well, that were you exactly. focused on. Exactly. Okay. list of questions was divided up between us. So you might have had three or four groups working on the same question, but then you had 35 groups. So all okay, the different yeah, questions. Yeah, I, I, I did wonder that. I was like, how was the full group of 35 plenary dealing with all of the questions? OK, that answers that question. I did wonder about that, to be honest. Now, I suppose the other side of it now is Right, we have this 40-odd page synthesis from the first session. Um, so kind of like almost a half-time report for the Senate. And I suppose the question is, I suppose, first of all, well, to be honest, it's not the most um, easy document to, per- to peruse, shall we say. But I suppose in terms of it, like, what would you take out of the synthesis? Like, what were the things that struck you, first of all? And we, we'll go from there. Well, the synthesis of the document here in Limerick, I did a summary of the synthesis mm-hmm. and distributed that because it is true. It's a long document. There's a lot in it. So I, I know that it is the kind of document that you'd read from cover to cover, you know, as going to bed at night. But it is at the same time a document that actually has a lot in it. And I think since I've come home, I nearly appreciate it more than I did out there. Mm. I was kind of thinking to myself out there, it's, a, it's probably typical of a committee you put together a document. Uh-huh. But in, in this case, when I came home, I said, no, actually, there's a lot of nuggets. <clears> of it. it does you good. You, you, you pick up perspectives as you're reading it. And there's lovely lines, for instance, at the very beginning. I know maybe this is a bit highbrow, but at the very beginning, there's a beautiful kind of explanation of where does, syn- where does synodality come from. Ultimately, it comes from the Trinity, mm. three persons together, you know. Mm. And that really, when we try to love one another in this kind of conversation, the spirit trying to listen to one another, be there for one another, the Trinity touches history. It's a lovely picture image Mm -hmm. but then there's loads of concrete questions which are touched on in in this document some of it is not for us because it's it was it's recommendations to to the pope that these things need to be maybe worked on more researched more but some of them are things we could take up for instance one of the things it does say is wherever in the church there are possibilities of structures being more synodal where people are more Mm. involved Mm. they should be implemented that that was very strong Clearly, the question of women and decision-making, question of women involved in key responsible roles in the church, that was very much advocated. The question of diaconate was looked at very strongly in the in the synod. What has the diaconate been like? Has it worked? Is it working properly? Or should we reimagine the diaconate? That was a, a key point that was presented. So when you say the diaconate, you're talking about the permanent diaconate. Permanent yeah. diaconate. Mm-hmm. Those, those people who have a ministry. Uh, as deacons permanently, not just on the way to becoming a priest, but actually have a ministry in 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 that mm. as deacons here in Ireland. You know, we have about maybe well over 100 now deacons, uh, not in every diocese, of course, but in many dioceses. But there was a call from that synod uh, maybe to look and reevaluate. Perhaps the deacons should be more directly involved in the social outreach to the poor mm. rather than liturgy. Well, that would be that would be an interesting one, and, and to a certain extent, going back to the roots in some respects of what the diaconate was, and, and which would be an interesting one. But in terms of uh, just picking up on something that you said there, um, I suppose the issue of um, synodality as a way of being, as a way of doing, as a way of communicating, the recommendation was upwards to Rome and to the Pope. What about? downwards in terms of dioceses and parishes and things like that yeah could you see could you see it working both ways it works both ways absolutely Mm. i mean the it it really is a question of however as pope francis i think underlines participation i think that's the big thing for pope Mm. francis that really we have a vision of the church 
now maybe a bit more so that we are a people mm. and as a people we are journeying together in history but if we are a people then there has to be participation in the people in other words there was a time in the church that we had an image of the church as what was called a perfect society not perfect in the sense of morally perfect but perfect meaning we have all the structures mm. we're a great organization we have the arrangements you just come along and be part of that organization whereas now we realize no it's not a question of being part of an organization it's a question of being a part participant in a people in a community and that you have an active participation in it you know mm. i recently was talking to a, an american bishop friend of mine who told me an experience he had a meeting in his local diocese and he was just talking about this to people he said you know for instance you might say well look i'll pop to pop along to this church because i like the priest or i'll pop along to that church because they have nice music i'll pop along to that church because the time suits me but that's really not necessarily the best way to be the church because you're meant to be a participant in the community. Mm. And a woman came along to him after and said, you know, she said, I never thought about that. I always talk of the I always thought of the church as a local service that suited me. I got the mass in such a time when it suited me. I got that priest because I liked him. It never occurred to me that I myself have to be a participant in a community. Mm. And I think this is what the synodality is trying to promote. In, in terms of, I suppose, you, you mentioned there the, the diaconate and the, the concept of synodality in terms of how we move. Um, for you, what was your experience during the synod of uh, the issue of, um, if I could put it this way, like media intrusion or synod by media? Was there any kind of experience of that amongst the synod participants? Because well, there was, a, I'm looking at it from two points of view, right? I'm looking at the point of view that Initially, there was a concern that there would be nothing coming out because everything was supposed to be discreet and all the rest of it, which is fine. Uh, well, it wasn't fine, but there was a, there was a whole conversation around that and how it worked out. But also, did you, did did you ever feel that you were being put under pressure from outside in relation to topics that were being discussed? Well, as you say, Pope Francis did ask for us to exercise what he called uh, abstinence or fasting. From the media, in other words, not to be overly giving interviews and things so that we could try and keep a certain atmosphere of recollection during the synod. And I think that was that was achieved. You know, I, I wasn't particularly mindful of commentaries on the synod that didn't really it didn't really impact on me that much. We had, as you say, there were media briefings in every day. Mm -hmm. I, at the end, I was actually kind of surprised there was more coming out of the Synod than I thought would be the case because mm. the Synod itself had officially media briefings every day and some of those people spoke about what was going on in the life of the Synod. So there were things going out from the life of the Synod and of course I'm sure there were commentaries and I'm sure I probably did see them but I can't say they impacted me and I don't think they impacted much in the whole. No, that's, no, I, just, no I, just, I just find that I find that interesting and good and it's interesting um, you know Regular listeners on the podcast will know John and myself, we, we pay a degree of attention to, to online presences and our usual go-tos were silent, actually, because my, some of them, you may, you name-checked one of them at the start, was uh, Bishop Bob Barron, uh, Father James Martin would be another one that you would keep an eye on, and they were all being, you know, they were, they were listening to what Pope Francis said, they were being very discreet. Um, Bishop Barron, I don't think he posted anything about the Synod. He posted about his trip around Rome and the different churches of Rome. John, you were going to ask something? I was, yeah. Just one of the things that struck me um, when I was watching the briefings each day, I learned so much from those briefings each mm. day because even though the press were there asking, as one would call the hot topic uh, uh, points, but the the answers were coming back from uh, from those who were taking the questions was that, well, listen, that might be important in your church, 
But in my church, for instance, in Asia, for instance, we're more concerned about trying to get a piece of bread on the table every day. And if people began to to listen to those sort of answers, then they might know, well, you know, this is a, this is a whole church. And for me, from the outside, it's the first time that I ever experienced uh, or, or, or became much more aware of the whole church. Hmm. Now, before I'd heard it and I said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But now I was listening, now I was kind of listening a small little bit. I'm sure you guys would have experienced it more deeply in your spiritual conversations. Very you... much so. I mean, people did speak from experience, as you say. Yeah. And don't forget, for instance, we had people there who were living in war-torn areas, Syria, Ukraine, mm. Middle East in general, Myanmar. And, of course, they gave testimony to what it is yeah. like in their world to be bringing up a family. And, and certainly the lay people gave very moving testimonies about that. And the issues of warfare. And though these questions were there, the whole outreach to the questions of poverty and marginalisation, people spoke about these issues. So, yes, I would say that is true. Maybe going back to the very first question, what was the takeaway? A mm. broadening of, of my heart, as it were, and my mm. mind, having listened to people from all over the world. Just going back to the synthesis again, we did have Juliana a few weeks ago. And you certainly raised the point, Shane, that yeah, there, there's so much in this. But she gave a very good... Uh, idea on this and I said took it for myself take a point take one particular point it might be number eight church's mission and let me just take that first and stay with that for a little while and see where I go from that rather than trying to read and absorb the whole lot and get lost maybe just take one particular point and that's what I've done and that's what I'd suggest to any of our listeners out there rather than get lost and get bogged down and get frustrated because I don't understand everything that was written in this synthesis. Take one point at a time. That's a very good suggestion, and I agree. Mm. I mean, it is one of those kind of documents. You could just take one of the points and work your way through it. It's about a page and a half, maybe the point. Just work your way through it, maybe talk to other people about that point. I think that's a very good suggestion. Myself and Anne, actually, my wife, took one, you know, and we were able to to kind of understand it. So it's not too highbrow. If you want to listen to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to speak to you, Mm. You know, you, it's uh, it's as you said. It's the, it's the cumulative. If you break yeah. it down into its parts, it's it's a very manageable text in in that regard. Um, Bishop Brennan, just going back to the just the practicalities of the process itself. Can I ask? Had you attended a synod of bishops before? No, that was the first time. Okay, so that was your first time. Okay, I was just I was going to ask what differences you had noticed, because obviously this time around it wasn't just the bishops. If you know what I mean, it, there was there was a broader contingent in the hall, and I was just wondering how that might have changed. Aside from the process being slightly different, how that the attendee makeup would have changed the dynamic as well. I oh I think so. I mean, well, as I said, number one, we were in that you know group of eleven, and everybody was there as an equal member. Mm. So you know, in every group, you would have had one or two women, one or two laymen. So that definitely had an impact. You know, they were coming at it from their perspective and mm. their angle, and you know, we were all getting the four minutes each, so they had their four minutes and. In the general discussions afterwards, their voice was very much to there. But there was a, a, a lovely, obvious in a certain sense, normality to it all. We yeah. were just simply there, all of us having a conversation. And, you know, it, it went very smoothly. There was no awkwardness about uh, just there's more bishops or there's more less lay people or that. You could have made issues out of that. Nobody made issues out of that. We just were all there. And maybe that is one of the points that is, I think, written throughout the whole final document, but maybe not said so very strongly. But 
at the end of the day, the synodality was also rooted in the fact we're all baptized. Mm. That is where we find our common roots. And the fact that we're all baptized, we're equal in baptism. And that, that, uh, I think that was very strong. Very of course, good. we meet each other and having cups of coffee, and that was part of it as well. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That whole I've just I've just thinking about that whole dynamic when you when you do meet people in that international mm. uh, sense. Like I, I know that myself from my own work experience. It, it, it it's meeting people from different countries, different cultures. There's a whole different kind of you're learning as much as anything very else. Much so. Is there any particular? How will I put this now? Um, is there anything? stories or exchanges like that that really struck you in terms of uh, sharings that were that were made in terms of people's experiences of suffering or pain or conflict or something like that you know looking at a wider church because I suppose sometimes it's good to remind ourselves in Ireland that while we have our difficulties and we have our challenges as a, as a faith community that sometimes it's good to remind ourselves that there is a broader picture sometimes. Sure, well, look, I mean, obviously, even things like, you know, meeting maybe a bishop from Ukraine, or Ukraine who tell you about maybe a priest in his diocese, priest in his diocese having at least one funeral a week of a young man who's mm. been killed in the war. One funeral a week, like, that is that is very moving. Uh, the young man, another young man in Syria, talking about bringing up his family in the context of war. These things were very moving. But also, uh, we had, of course, this I should mention, the delegates from other churches. Mm. They were present, and they were fully present. They had a right to speak. They had the four minutes like the rest of us, and they could speak mm -hmm. to the whole hall. So, you know, they gave us their experiences. What, you know, the Anglicans said, what we've gone through about this or that issue from, from, from uh, just a general experience. But then also, uh, one speaker that I do remember that I, I have to say moved me maybe not so much as suffering, but as a testimony, because mm -hmm. there were testimonies given, official testimonies that were, um, that the organizer had arranged these testimonies. But one of them was from South America, and he was a young man together with a young sister, and they spoke very passionately about the need for us to move into the digital world. Both of them spoke with great passion about an experience that they're living down in South America. They have a whole digital network set up. And their point was, and this was backed up by another uh, Jesuit who has uh, is kind of well-known, Father Spadaro. He was mm -hmm. the first one to do an interview with Pope Francis. He gave an input again, which was linked to theirs, about the fact that we don't fully appreciate, all of us, how much today the modern social means social communications are actually impacting on how we understand ourselves how we live how we interact and how much our faith is even being interpreted in a new way because of social communications so he said it, it was an invitation i think that i really felt one of the young people put it this way every diocese should have digital missionaries that's a nice way mm. of putting it, actually. So I think both of you can say you're digital. <laughs> <laughs> we, have an, we have another job title, John. Very good. Just to pick up on that one, actually, Bishop Brindle, I'm, I am curious because I have a personal interest in, in, in things in terms of um, the Eastern churches in particular. Um, I suppose there, there there's two sides to it. There's those like the the Ukrainians who were in communion with Rome, and then there was I presume the visitors from the kind of the the, the ecumenical or patriarch and so on. Uh, they, their experience of synod is, is quite different to ours. Yes, and that came up too. They 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 gave they gave witness to that. 
that the experience they have is, is different. Although when you got into the nuance of it, I was surprised actually, uh, why did they start off saying we just have only bishops are our synod? But then the more they got into it, they said, but on occasions we have lay people as well. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as clear cut as initially might have looked as if they were saying we really should only be bishops. When you got into it, they were saying actually there could be lay people as well. Okay. I suppose, um, I suppose the next question, I suppose, or question that people would be asking is like, what's the next step in terms of the censuses? It's come back to the local churches. It's come back here to the Bishops' Conference here in Ireland. Um, kind of, at the moment, do we have any indication of what the next steps are going to be? Well, we probably will have shortly, I think, uh, kind of, um, uh, probably some kind of indication from Cardinal Grech at the, the committee, the, the office in Rome, will probably send out an official document having had this in it uh, to us about how to proceed mm-hmm. and undoubtedly they will be looking for some feedback and interaction with the with the synthesis document yes they will but at the same time I think they will be very respectful of the local they will want us to see what it is we might want to take out of this document and I think that's an invitation to all of us um, as, as John was saying maybe just take one section or whatever but that could happen in parishes or it could happen yeah. in dioceses or units just take sections of this in a document and say well look how, what does it say to us how does it speak to us now mm. we don't have to wait for next year mm-hmm. you know the topic of poverty the topic of women in the church the topic of ministries the topic of councils all of that is something we could now be doing Of course, there's another element here which is very important. We in Ireland had already launched our own synodal pathway. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on at the moment as well in Ireland. So they kind of dovetail because we're at a point now in Ireland where we need to choose which topic are we going to start with for a synodal gathering. We now know that we're going to have many synodal gatherings. It won't just be one. Mm -hmm. But which topic should we start with? And I think that's something in the next six months we'll be looking at. Okay, very good. And we will uh, we will be touching base with uh, Julianne Moran and, and Father Enfield Skibbon in the new year in relation to the National Synodal Pathway, because I know there has been some research recently published in relation to it, and also a, a document, the, the two documents that have been published in relation yes, to it. Yes, so I mean, the research is very interesting, because it dovetails completely with the mm. Universal Synod, and that is, what are the skills and upskilling that's needed for the synodal process, facilitators and all the rest. So we're right on on track there. We need training in all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just going back to the report again, just for a second. Um, Each particular pass had as as sort of headings, there was the experience and understanding, the convergences, and then there was the matters for consideration, and then proposals. Can you speak a little bit about that, just in general? Uh, so, about the structure yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, structure I mean, piece, yeah. The first part was about the synodal face of the church. So that was trying to come to grasp of where does synod come from? What are the roots of synod? And then it proposed, literally, that we would all maybe work on these conversations in the spirit to try and adapt them and do training mm-hmm. for leaders in that. That fits in what we're trying to do in Ireland. So that was the first one, let's say, about the synodal face of the church. The second one was we're all missionary, all disciples. Now, in that section, it was very much, uh, there was very much an, em- an emphasis on the fact that it isn't that the church has a mission or that it has its officers. The church itself is a mission and therefore the family, for instance, lay people, where in they are in their family, in their workplace, in their neighbourhood, they are church. They are mission mm-hmm. already. So that was something very strongly underlined of this is something we're going to have to rediscover more deeply. But in that section, of course, the whole issue of women and the church came up and yeah. they are very strong call to have recognised, number one, 
the specific contributions already been given by many many women across the whole world but also maybe to um to talk more and research more into the decision making participation by women that that was a topic that came up the third topic itself was about community building and weaving bonds as a way of put it that section was more about structures um, how is the church structured? How is our governance structured? How are priests being formed? Um, accountability for bishops, how are they accountable? So those kind of more structured questions, and there was a lot of calls there for maybe canon law to be revised, to be looked at, that some of our structures need to be more reshaped in terms of this synodal approach, going together as opposed to just simply having the hierarchy dictating things. Mm-hmm. And within the report, um, each each sort of section had convergences where there were maybe agreement, and then there were matters then that had to be matters for consideration maybe later on with the, with, with the Pope maybe or with the Church, and then there was proposals. I think people would be fairly interested in looking at each section just to read where were the parts that we we agreed, where were the the issues that needed further consideration and proposals maybe to go forward. So yes. the, there is a little bit of meat in there for people if they do want to become involved. I like that proposal. Maybe I can get rid of it. Correct, more absolutely. That. That's why I mentioned some of the proposals that were made. Yeah. Some of the proposals definitely are at the higher level, if you want. They're for Rome, they're for the Pope, maybe to do a bit more research or to get research done. And mm. that's, that's one level. But there's, there's enough there for us to say, well, maybe at our local level we could be doing some of these things. And as you said early on, maybe at a local level somebody might take up one particular topic and that might be church and mission and just have maybe an area or whatever, take that on board themselves. And exactly. Where do we go? And, and maybe the more they can learn and become attuned to that, maybe they can share that with the rest of... That's true. I mean, the document itself, if you just put in synod, final synthesis onto Google search, it'll yeah. come up for you. you. It is available yeah. online. Veritas are producing it as well, but in printed form. But it is available online. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. So, Bishop Brendan, I think that brings us to the close of that bit of a conversation. We're delighted to have had you out uh, in, in terms of it. And obviously, we're looking forward to having you back at some stage then in the new year for our regular uh Catch up on the state of affairs of the diocese as well and so forth as you usually do with us here on Come and See Inspirations. John, have you a piece of music to take us out? I have, uh, and because uh, because the Holy Spirit was so much involved, I think there's only one piece of music we can really play after this. It's by Sissy Williams, and this one is, in, is entitled "Holy Spirit, Come Fill This Place." So thanks again, Bishop, for for joining us, thanks and let's just stay with us you. where we continue on with the podcast uh, in our next section where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Set us free. 